check out this little gem here. He says, the thing I've learned over the years about advice is that nobody can accurately predict the future. They think they can, but what they're actually doing is applying their limited perspective to an infinite amount of possibilities before you. What's up, what's up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the only podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. In this episode, I share my November and December 2021 writing stats, as well as my January 2022 writing stats. I share a writing tip that I picked up along the way, and I tell you about what I've been reading. Spoiler alert, it's Will by Will Smith. Definitely stick around for that. It's going to be a goodie. And lastly, I also read and reflect on a free writing piece of mine, which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash free writing. But before we jump into the episode, I wanted to tell you guys about a quick way that you can help support this show. You can do so by checking out my writing. I've published two books, which I'll tell you about in a bit during the drop. Both of them are available wherever it is that you prefer to get your books. You can also get some background information, some behind the scenes and just additional content around both of those books by going to my website at spuntoday.com forward slash books. And there you'll find individual pages for each. You can also check out my free writing, similar to the piece that I will be sharing today at the end of the episode and many more like it by going to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing. And you can check out my short stories on my website absolutely for free as well. Spuntoday.com forward slash short stories. Please feel free to like and comment throughout my website. Keep the conversation going by reaching out to me on social media at Spun Today on everything. And please do rate and review my books once you read them. It would be much appreciated and it definitely helps keep the lights on, as they say. But more importantly, keeps me motivated to create more of what I love to create. So without further ado, here is a quick way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast and my writing if you so choose. You can support the Spun Today podcast by checking out my writing. You can go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and check out some of my free association writing, which is intended to be some cathartic free writing, but oftentimes doubles down as motivation for myself and others. At spuntoday.com forward slash short stories, you can read a bunch of the different short stories that I've written and actually listen to the audiobook versions of those short stories there as well. Another way you can help support my writing is by going to spuntoday.com forward slash books and checking out what I have in store for sale. Digital copies are available in all formats, whether it be Kindle, iBooks, or a different type of e-reader. You can also purchase paperback copies if that's your preferred reading method. Currently available, I have my nonfiction, Make Way For You, which is a collection of freely written thoughts that were curated and put together as tips for getting out of your own way. Also available is my debut time travel novel titled Fractal. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash books to show your support. My writing stats for November and December 2021, as well as January 2022. November was a shitty writing month for me. I wrote nine out of the 30 days of the month for a writing percentage of 30%. In December of 2021, I wrote 14 out of the 31 days of the month for a writing percentage of 45.2%. I did a bit better there. Similarly, in January 2022, I also wrote 14 out of the 31 days of the month of January for a writing percentage of 45.2%. And that seems to be, like looking back historically, my quote-unquote sweet spot, if you will, which isn't so sweet. I'm like around 50% range, a little bit more, a little bit less, usually around that range in terms of days that I write versus days that I don't write, which is when I bump that up against my output in terms of like the goals that I meant to hit that I didn't achieve last year. This is something that I could definitely point to and say, you know, that's where a problem is. 
you know what I mean? If that percentage was higher, in theory, I'd be achieving more of the writing related goals that I have. So definitely something for, for me to keep in mind to step my game up during this year of 2022. Today's writing tip comes from one of my personal goats within the writing game, Stephen Pressfield. And Stephen Pressfield puts out a free newsletter every Wednesday called Writing Wednesdays, which is where I got this from. And they're never very long and they're always filled with morsels of goodness and writing gems and life lessons that I take away from them and I hope you will too. This one is actually one of the longer ones and it's only like a few paragraphs. So I'm just going to read the entire post and as always I will link to it in the episode notes so you guys can go to it directly, read it, check it out, reference it, etc, etc. And this one is titled Fear of Success Anonymous. This is going to sound like a joke but it's absolutely true. I once joined Fear of Success Anonymous, aka FOSA. This was in Los Angeles. Almost all the group members were actors or screenwriters. The group got so popular, it had to disband. I remember driving home from the final meeting thinking, I've got to solve this issue on my own. Fear of success, by definition, can never succeed. What keeps you and me from finishing a book, a startup, a screenplay? I think it's tribal. It's not our fault. It's in our DNA. Consider the caveman, the foot soldier of the primitive hunting band. This applies to the cavewoman too. Remember, the tribal era constitutes 99.999% of our evolutionary time as human beings. In the tribe, the greatest terror was expulsion. Getting kicked out of the cave was a death sentence. What crime would get us expelled from the tribe? Standing out. Being different. This makes sense, right? In a world of fearsome predators, the tribe was to stick together. You can't afford some crazy guy or gal who'd rather paint cave walls than stand all night guard against saber-toothed tigers. That terror of expulsion resides in our bones. It doesn't matter that we now work at Google and live in a third floor walk up in Williamsburg. We're still scared to death of standing out, of being the tall stalk that gets lopped off by the workman's sheath. Our novel, our startup, our screenplay. What if it's really good? What if we ourselves actually possess talent? What if we're Lady Gaga? Oh my God, the tribe kicks us out and we get stomped to death by a woolly mammoth. Sounds ridiculous, I know. But I swear to God, that's the emotion that flashes across our unconscious as we tee up the PDF of the Elizabethan family saga we've labored on for four years and our fingers pause over the send key. How do we do it? How do we overcome our terror of finishing? How do we beat our fear of success? The answer, again, can be nothing other than will. Somehow we have to teach ourselves to jam our eyes shut, suck in a deep breath, and jump off the cliff. And that's the post. It's pretty dope, right? I mean, first off, who the hell goes to fear of success anonymous meetings? (laughs) I've definitely never heard of that one. I know they have different ones like, obviously, Alcoholics Anonymous. I've heard of Sexaholics Anonymous. Drugs, obviously, whatever the drug one is, but definitely not Fear of Success Anonymous. And although I definitely appreciate this post and the sentiment behind it, the ultimate tip behind it, which is mustering up the will to get your shit done, which is like a constant theme throughout Stephen Pressfield's work, I see the concept or idea of like the fear of success as... Like, I'm on the fence about it. I see it both ways. I see it as, like, an actual thing. Yeah, some people are, you know, afraid of their own success and sabotage themselves, etc. But I also see it as kind of like a cop-out. And I can see how some people can just, like, not be as good as they might think they are or want to be. And for whatever reason, whether it's talent, whether it's discipline or lack thereof or not putting in the work or experience, etc. But they're just not there. And then they just chalk it up to, oh, you know, it's because I'm afraid to succeed. It's kind of like a like a mental mind game, like a mental fuckery they play with themselves to like be okay with the fact that they haven't made it to where they want to be. So to me, and obviously just my opinion here, it's something that you would feel in the moment, this fear of success, but it technically can only be validated in retrospect. And I say that because you only know, I guess, after the fact, if it was like the fear of success or not, meaning like after achieving the goal, after writing that book after 
starting that podcast, after getting that promotion, after losing the weight, after, you know, fill in the blank with whatever goal you have, after the achieving of it is when you can validate that, oh, I was, you know, just afraid of this success. And that's what was like holding me back. But then on the flip side, if you never achieve that goal, was it really that? I guess at that point, it's like a an eternal maybe, you know, because I guess technically you can be afraid forever. But I guess the ultimately the unanswerable question becomes, is it that fear that keeps you from achieving the level of success? Or is it something else like the lack of talent, the lack of discipline, the lack of work ethic or a combination of all of the above? Or some of the above. So I guess you really can't answer it with a degree of certainty if you don't achieve. But if you do, if you muster up that will, that energy, that sucking in of the deep breath and jumping off of the cliff, as Pressfield puts it, and actually achieve the goal, achieve the success, then you can look back and pinpoint, oh yeah, see, it was the fear. I was just afraid of this shit. Or determine if it was, again, a combination of things. The fear, the lack of discipline, the lack of opportunity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that, folks, was this episode's writing tip, Fear of Success Anonymous by Stephen Pressfield. I'll link to it in the episode notes so that you can check it out. What's up, folks? I wanted to take a quick break to put you guys on to a great show. As an independent podcaster, I like to help promote other indie podcasts. So here's a quick word from another show you should definitely check out. If you're a fan of movies that are true stories, I've got a new podcast recommendation for you. It's called Based on a True Story, and it is the podcast that compares Hollywood with history. You'll learn from historians, authors, TV and film consultants, and sometimes even the real people the movies are based on as they separate fact from fiction in your favorite movies. Hear how much of the gangster movie Donnie Brasco happened from the real Donnie Brasco himself. Listen to the real history behind Downton Abbey from Lady Carnarvon. Laugh along with the real guys that the comedy movie Tag was based on. Get some extra stories from the production set from the historical consultant on the movie The Alamo. Those are just a few examples. So when you're ready to learn how much of your favorite movie really happened, subscribe to Based on a True Story in your podcast app of choice or find it at basedonatruestorypodcast.com. Once again, that's based on a true story podcast.com. If you're a podcaster who would like to swap promos, shoot me over a message. You can contact me through the show's home on the web, spuntoday.com forward slash contact, or reach out to me via social media at spuntoday on all platforms. Now let's head back to today's show. What I've been reading, I've been reading Will Smith's book, self-titled Will, written by Will Smith and Mark Manson. Mark Manson is the author of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And for those of you that have listened to free writing session episodes of mine in the past already know this, but if you're a first timer, what I do here is pretty much just share different passages or parts of the book that resonated with me and made me reflect and just want to put it out there and share it with you in case you, especially in case you don't read the book, but even if you do, just because we all, you know, take away different things, even if we're reading the same book or watching the same movie or listening to the same song, et cetera, et cetera. But I want to warn you all in advance that I'm definitely going to fanboy out because I've been a Will Smith fan for a very, very long time. And I decided to read this book on the strength of that, you know, just being a fan, but also two liking memoirs. But my expectations weren't that high for whatever reason. Like I never thought of Will Smith as a writer, right? In terms of, you know, writing books, but writing music, obviously. Yeah, but definitely not writing books. And I didn't know at the time that Mark Manson helped him author it. But I went from that to instantly being hooked and getting to rehear some stories that I already knew, learning about new ones that I didn't know about, getting additional details to some of the ones that I didn't know about, to absolutely loving this book. And it was by far my favorite book that I read in 2021. Oprah, by the way, went as far as saying that it's the best memoir that she's ever read. And you know, Oprah and her book club may not be 
spun today book club, but you know, it's nothing to sneeze at either, right? <laughs> All right, guys, this is the official synopsis of Will by Will Smith. One of the most dynamic, globally recognized entertainment forces of our time opens up fully about his life. In a brave and inspiring book that traces his learning curve to a place where outer success, inner happiness, and human connection are aligned. Along the way, Will tells the story in full of one of the most amazing rides through the world of music and film that anyone has ever had. Will Smith's transformation from a West Philadelphia kid to one of the biggest rap stars of his era, and then one of the biggest movie stars in Hollywood history, is an epic tale, but it's only half the story. Will Smith thought, with good reason, that he had won at life. Not only was his own success unparalleled, his whole family was at the pinnacle of the entertainment world. Only they didn't see it that way. They felt more like star performers in his circus. A seven days a week job that they hadn't signed up for. It turned out that Will Smith's education wasn't nearly over. This memoir is the product of a profound journey of self-knowledge, a reckoning with all that your will can get you and all that it can leave behind. Written with the help of Mark Manson, author of the multi-million copy bestseller, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, Will is the story of how one person mastered his own emotions, written in a way that can help everyone else do the same. Few of us will know the pressure of performing on the world's biggest stages for the highest stakes, but we can all understand that the fuel that works for one stage of our journey might have to be changed if we want to make it all the way home. The combination of genuine wisdom, of universal value, and the life story that is preposterously entertaining, even astonishing, puts Will the book, like its author, in a category by itself. And I couldn't agree more. Such a dope read. All right, let me pull up my notes here so we can jump right into it because there are a bunch. Now, like I said, I'm such a fanboy that I have so many notes that I jotted down that I'm going to do my best to get through each of them, but not expound or elaborate on each individual one like I normally do. So the introduction opens up with a dope story about him and his brother growing up and his father making them build a wall, a brick wall in front of a store that his father had. And that story, that opening story ties out so well, so fucking perfectly with the ending story or like the end of the book so masterfully. And with the cherry on the top, he takes us out of the book with the Joyner Lucas and Will Smith uh, Will remix. It's a, a song that Joyner Lucas put out, like praising Will Smith and his accomplishments. And then Will Smith put out like a verse to it, like they remix it. And the verse and his flow in that song is, is definitely dope. It's really, really good. Surprisingly to me, because, you know, it, like shows that he still has it. But then like after reading this book, the lyrics to that song, which came out a couple years ago, you know, definitely way before the book, like you can see pieces of his life story that he put into that verse, which is so dope and just like elevated, like the whole thing, just like from an artistic perspective. And I'll, I'll link to the song. You guys should definitely check it out. It's pretty dope. From that introduction chapter, I took this amongst other things, but definitely this. He said the most impactful lessons I've learned in life, I had to learn in spite of myself. I resisted them. I denied them. But ultimately, the weight of their truth became undeniable. In another part, Will tells a story about his father getting discharged from the Air Force. And he described his dad as a person that was expecting rigid perfection from his, himself and everyone around him. But if he drank too much or if he snapped, he would burn everything to the ground. And that kind of hit me because I kind of see myself that way to some extent. Not in terms of like drinking too much or anything like that, but in the like expectation of perfection from oneself and sometimes, you know, imposing that on others, but also definitely the part of snapping and burning everything to the ground. And like that, where I see that type of reaction myself is in not being able to sometimes control my emotions. And I think we all, you know, to different degrees 
suffer that. But the way he put it here definitely made me, you know, reflect and continue to try to be more cognizant of, of that and correct for that in real time, as opposed to like just in retrospect. This piece here is just like a couple sentences long. So I'm just going to play it for you guys. But it was a takeaway that I took from him analyzing a character being played by an actor. But I'm internalizing it as something that I could definitely apply to a character that I'm creating on the page, right? That A character that I'm writing in a story. In acting, understanding a character's fears is a critical part of understanding his or her psyche. The fears create desires and the desires precipitate actions. These repetitive actions and predictable responses are the building blocks of great cinematic characters. This next one was so dope to find out because it was one of my favorite scenes of The Fresh Prince. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was my favorite sitcom of all time. I used to love that show. To this day, like I'll still watch like reruns and shit. But this, and I know like a bunch of stories that I've heard like in, in interviews of Will over the years and of the other characters that were on the show. But this one I had never heard of. So it was just like dope to hear. In the pilot episode of The Fresh Prince, the last scene has is Uncle Phil. Rest in peace, Uncle Phil. James Avery. He is giving Will shit because um, he thinks that Will is just fuck up and taking everything as a joke and not being responsible etc etc and like making a mockery of like the whole reason that you know he's there was his mom sent them from west philly because he got in trouble over there and she tried to send them to bel-air to get him away from that trouble and to make a better life for himself and the final scene of the pilot episode if you guys remember is you know james avery um uncle phil pretty much giving Will a, a lecture and Will kind of trying to defend himself, but ultimately getting shut down by James Avery. And then Will just like sits down at a piano and the scene was supposedly written. You know, he just sits down with his head down and like internalizing everything that Uncle Phil had just told him. The camera like pans out and end scene. But instead, because Will actually grew up and like learned, learned the piano, learned how to play piano in real life. Thanks to his mom and grandma Gigi, which you guys will hear about later. And in this scene, he just wound up like improvising and turned around and he started playing. I think it's called the uh, further lease. The do 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 do. And then you see like James Avery's character kind of like stick his head out and kind of like look at him dumbfounded. Like, you know, this hip hop kid that is over here causing all this ruckus and, you know, he's playing a beautiful rendition of further further lease. And that improvised moment became what turned into the premise of the entire series, which is never judge a book by its cover. Another cool Fresh Prince uh, related takeaway was that Will's favorite rapper growing up was Grandmaster Kaz, who had a song named Yvette, where he's like rapping to a girl named Yvette on a basketball court or something like that, which is why as an homage to Grandmaster Kaz, the beginning credits of the Fresh Prince begins with them on a basketball court. In this next takeaway, he will speaks about why he never cursed in his raps. And, you know, he's famously known for not cursing in his rhymes, right? Eminem, my favorite rapper, had a famous line, which was, well, Will Smith don't got a cuss in and he pretty much said that he had this uh, book of rhymes and his grandmother, Gigi, wrote him a note in that book because she found it. And she told him that he has the gift of gab and a, a gift with words and that it was going to be ultimately up to him if he was going to use that gift and use those words to uplift people or not. And then she added that intelligent people never had to curse so much in order to get a point across. And then from that point forth, he made a decision and a promise to his grandmother and mother that he wouldn't curse in his rhymes and stuck to it. Even though that ultimately became like a insecurity of his within the rap game and clearly a like vector point of attack for his critics. He tells us about how he got the name The Fresh Prince. Fresh just being like a name for cool or a synonym rather for cool. And he had a teacher in high school 
who was cool and she would always uh, crack on him and in front of the class whenever he was late or whenever he would give in homework and say things like oh his highness the prince blessed us with his presence today or blessed us you know by doing his his homework finally and then he just wound up combining fresh and prince there's a little trivia for you folks don't say i never gave you anything i like this line which is quote in order to feel confident and secure we all need something to feel confident and secure about internal power and confidence is born out of insight and proficiency i like that he tells us the story about how he and dj jazzy jeff met which is dope and for those of you who don't know dj jazzy jeff is will smith's you know dj partner it's the fresh prince and dj J- jazzy jeff he's also in the fresh prince on a bunch of episodes and he's a world-renowned dj within like the dj world like he's very highly respected He's attributed with literally creating the like scratching transformer sound or something like that, that DJs use. And he's like the man in that world. And back then when hip hop was in its like nascent stages, the DJs were the show, right? Rappers would go on to like hype up and promote the DJs and just like say a few things on the mic and literally be the MC, you know, the master of ceremony. And just say little things here and there to get the crowd going. But the show was the DJ. And ultimately, obviously, that flipped. But back then, this was the case. Will used to rap for a DJ called Ready Rock Ice. And they all had a mutual friend that was throwing a house party. And this mutual friend invited Will and his DJ, as well as DJ Jazzy Jeff and his rapper, so that they can play the music for the party and also like battle during the party. And Will, at this point, is taking music very seriously. Similarly, so is Jeff, who, by the way, had cancer as a kid growing up. And while he was going through treatments and even sometime after, like his mom never let him like leave the house. And he pretty much like had the basement to himself with all his like DJing equipment and music and stuff like that. And this is what when he like really got into it. But he would just like be DJing and stuff like 18 hours a day, every day for like years growing up. But anyway, so Will shows up to this party early. So does Jeff. And Will's DJ doesn't show up. And Jeff's rapper doesn't show up. And the girl's freaking out. She's like, oh, fuck, I'm not going to have music at my party. What am I going to do? And then Will offers to rap for DJ Jazzy Jeff just to get things going until his DJ gets there. Long story short, his DJ never showed up. The other rapper never showed up. And Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff had like such an instant ill connection that they were like inseparable ever since how dope is that how like serendipitous is that super cool check out this little gem here he says the thing i've learned over the years about advice is that nobody can accurately predict the future they think they can but what they're actually doing is applying their limited perspective to an infinite amount of possibilities before you i like this next one too he says that's what life is Living is the journey from not understanding to understanding, from confusion to clarity, from not knowing to knowing. This is a great analogy on like life. He says, life is like school with one key difference. In school, you get the lesson and then you take the test. In life, you get the test and then it's up to you to take the lesson. Bing, bing, bing. What do you guys call that drop? I've been looking for that drop, by the way. The pew, pew, pew. I definitely would have dropped that right here after that one. (laughs) All I have now pre-programmed into my Rodecaster Pro is the warping sound that I use between segments, which is. But it doesn't hit the same as one of those. I got to find that. If anybody knows the name of that, hit me up and let me know. At Spun Today. Moving on. He was speaking about traveling and he says how travel adds critical perspective. I like this quote. No one or nothing is immune to the entropy of the universe. I like this concept that he breaks down, which is of a bearable loss versus an unbearable loss. Where a bearable loss is when you prepare fully for a situation as much as you can but you still lose versus an unbearable loss, which is when you slack off, you don't give it your best and then you lose. 
And in that latter situation, you're stuck with thinking, what if? What if I would have given it my all? And that fucking sucks. I've always hated those what if, what if thoughts. And playing on that is this other piece where he says, it's respectable to lose to the universe. It's a tragedy to lose to yourself. Oh, you know what was cool about the audiobook? And, you know, Will Smith's like one of the biggest actors ever, right? So it shouldn't have been as surprising as it was to me. Um, but it was a bit of a surprise, a welcome surprise, a dope surprise that he was able to change like the inflection of his voice and just sound like a completely different person whenever he was quoting DJ Jazzy Jeff or his pops, who he, everybody called Daddy-O or his grandma, Gigi, or his bodyguard, Charlie, like he would change his voice completely and do so like so effortlessly and so well. A couple other quotes that I liked. The universe is not logical. It's magical. And he mentioned a quote of Quincy Jones's, which was, everything is impossible right up until it's not. Grandma Gigi always used to tell him, don't block your blessings. I like that, Grandma Gigi. Sometimes we could definitely get it in our own way when it comes to shit. And if you all want some tips on how to avoid that, please check out my book, Make Way For You, which is a collection of tips for getting out of your own way. Spuntoday.com forward slash books. Allow me to make my own uh, shameless plug there on my own podcast. I like this and I like the way it sounds, but on reading it over, I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> but this is what I jotted down. Magic demands awareness, faith, preparation, identify and irradiate the poisonous resistance and impediments within ourselves. All right, so this is one of the probably two stories that I'm going to flesh out a little bit. So brace yourselves. Speaking of Quincy Jones, was which I just uh, quoted Will quoting him a few minutes ago. Quincy was the producer of The Fresh Prince. He's the one that made the show happen, brought it to fruition. And Will retells how the show came to be in the book. Obviously, you know, it's a big pivotal moment in his life. And I've definitely heard this story before, and I'm pretty sure I have featured as a video of the week within my newsletter, like one of those like animated stories of this, but like voiced by by Will from like one of his interviews or something like that, that somebody put together and it was pretty cool. But I love this story and you guys will too. So in very broad strokes, you know, Will rose to fame and fucking superstardom within the rap game you know first grammy award winning rapper multiple platinum songs millions and millions of dollars won the blow, blowing everything as well <laughs> and you know he was long story short out, out on his luck old the irs shitload of money he was in debt and he's living with an with a now ex-girlfriend but living with a girlfriend at the time that was telling him, yo, you got to, you know, get out of your funk, you know, get out of here, go, go to where it is that you want to be around. You want to be, you want to, you know, try this uh, acting or singing or like rapping again, you know, go and be around other like entertainers and shit. And she like pushed him. He was like, what, what do you want me to do? Where, where am I going to go? She, and she was like, I don't know, go to Arsenio show. Like he likes you. You guys are cool. Just like go hang out there. And he's like, oh, yeah, so I'm just going to like go hang out. I'm not even being on the show. Just like go stand around there. And she was like, yeah. And he was pretty much like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Long story short, he did it and winds up meeting and hanging out with Benny Medina, which is who the story of the Fresh Prince is based on. It's based on Benny Medina's life. He moved from a neighborhood called Watts in california to it wasn't to bel-air but it was like to like beverly hills or something like that with like some rich family members and as i said before the story of the fresh prince the actual tv show is based on will smith born and raised in west philly gets into trouble gets shipped out by his single mom to his aunt and uncle who live in bel-air so that was like the premise which is taken from again benny medina's life and benny medina tells him that he has this like script for a tv show and he had seen like Will in his music videos and thinks he would be good for it. And he asked Will if he knew how to act. And Will said, yeah, he lied. And he said, yeah. <laughs> and um, he invites Will to a party at Quincy Jones's house. 
and he tells him it's to speak about the script and actually doing the show, etc. Will describes Quincy Jones as being like this larger than life. Everybody at the party like just gravitates towards he's holding court and everybody there is pretty much kissing Quincy Jones's ass. You know, Quincy Jones made Thriller, the album, Michael Jackson's album. He had produced The Color Purple with Oprah. He was classically trained. He also arranged for Louis Armstrong, Count Basie, Dizzy Gillespie, Ray Charles. Frank Sinatra fought to desegregate Las Vegas casinos just so that he can work with Quincy Jones. How ill is that? Anyway, so this is whose house Will is in because of Benny Medina. And the long story, a little less long, Benny Medina introduces Will to Quincy and and Quincy's like, hey, Will, so I hear you can act and you're going you're gonna to be a, our leading man here. And he was like, yeah, yeah, sir. I'm, I'm definitely down to, to, to try, et cetera. And he was like, all right, let's, uh, let's do a reading right now. Everybody clear the room, clear all the furniture from the room. Will is going to read for us from, from the script. And you know, it's literally like the middle of a party, completely unexpected. Will's like, whoa, 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 wait, what, what? Uh, no, I can't right now. No, what? no, <laughs> you nuts. What's going on? And Quincy takes him uh, to his office and, you know, tells everybody to continue clearing the room and he's going to go talk to Will for a, few, for a couple minutes. And then, you know, he's in the office talking with Will and Will's like, you know, Quincy, I need some time. I need to, you know, go over these lines. I need to rehearse. And and Quincy Jones is like, all right, how much time do you need? He was like, I don't know. I'm, um, And Quincy's like, like a week? He was like, uh, yeah, I think a, a week or two. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I'll get an acting coach and and, you know, I'll really nail down these lines and, you know, do a really good job. And he was like, all right. And, um, you know, what's going to happen in a week? The president of NBC, who's out there in the party right now, who has to sign off on the show, he's not going to be available. So he's going to ask to push it for another week. And then Will's like, all right. Yeah. So, all right. Two weeks, even better. You know, I'll, you know, I'll study more, you know, like really train on these lines, delivering these lines. And two weeks, two weeks is good. And then Quincy Jones says, hey, you know, what's going to happen in two weeks? His attorney that has to sign off on these things, he's going to have some event at his daughter's school that he had forgotten about. And then he's going to have to postpone it for another two weeks. And then Will was like, okay, so uh, a month. All right. So we'll definitely do it in a month. Then Quincy Jones says, and then in a month, there's going to be another, another reason, another excuse why they can't make it. And then there Will got the point that he was trying to make. And then Quincy tells him, or you can go into that room right now where everybody that needs to say yes to this show for it to become an actual thing is standing right outside those doors and deliver these lines and change your fucking life. And I'm paraphrasing a bit. I don't think he cursed. <laughs> and uh, long story short, he asked him for 15 minutes just to psych himself out, went out there, delivered the lines. You know, Quincy asked the head of NBC, he was like, did you like that? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I thought it was good. And he was like, no, did you really, really like that? And he was like, yeah, it was, it was really good, Quincy. And he was like, all right, get your, and he goes, you, to Brandon Tartikoff's attorney. I think that was the president of NBC at the time. He was like, you draft me a deal memo right now. And then he turns to Will and says, Will, do you have an attorney? And Will was like, um, no, not here with me at the party. He was like, you can borrow mine. Don't worry about it. And he calls uh, one of his attorneys who was in the maternity ward at a nearby hospital because his wife had just given birth like the day before. And he says, I need you here right now to write me up a contract for Will Smith and this new show that we're doing with NBC. The guy left the hospital, went, did the contract, and they literally signed the deal for the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that night. And the rest is history. And the cherry on top, that attorney is still to this day Will Smith's attorney. How dope is that? Will later went on to describe the world of acting as the first external canvas that felt big enough to hold the landscapes of his imagination. It's a dope way to put it. Ooh, some, some more uh, Fresh Prince uh, trivia. He said that, you know, like throughout the series, obviously there's a bunch of times where Uncle Phil throws uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff out the front door. And I, I had heard different stories about this, which was that it was a stunt double. And I've also heard that it was done, like there was a bunch of takes done and it was done a bunch of different times. And that 
Jeff complained and didn't want to like do them anymore. So then they started using a stunt double or something like that. But what actually happened, according to Will in this book, is that it was actually the same exact take used over and over. That was one. It was filmed, you know, maybe a handful of times, once or twice. I don't know. But the take that you always see of Jeff being thrown out is the take that you always see. It's the same take. So he says a tip is that whenever you see Jeff in a scene throughout the show wearing a brown and white shirt, uh, it's like a brown and white patterned shirt, you know that he's going to be thrown out by Uncle Phil because that's what he was wearing when they you know, filmed that initial scene of him being thrown out. And since they reuse that same take, they make sure that he's wearing that same shirt throughout the series you know, in any other different scene that he is going to be thrown out by Uncle Phil. And I really like this idea that he touches on the mentions that I, in some ways, have and continue to try to abide by. Uh, but I never heard it uh, put like this. And he says, during the good times, plant and nurture the seeds of the next thing. So for him and his experience, like in with music, he started planting the seeds of, you know, trying to act. And when things started, you know, taking off on the TV side of things, he started planting the seeds of trying to act the movies, you know, so on and so forth. Here's another story that I love. And it's probably not probably it's my favorite Will Smith song, which is Summertime. And I know that's not a unique take. I'm sure it's many folks' favorite Will Smith song. And it came about very serendipitously, which makes me like it even more. So Will Smith was just finishing recording his fourth studio album. And this is like at the heights of filming The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, the TV show, by day and then recording music at night. And he had this obligation of, you know, putting out that album. And one of the producers or the engineers at the end of him recording and, you know, he's about to leave, hands him the CD and he says, hey, you know, DJ Jazzy Jeff, you know, listen to this. And he kind of likes this beat. And he wanted to see if you would be interested in it and like laying something down. And Will was like, you know, tired. And they literally just wrapped the album. He was like, listen, even if I did like it, we just finished the album. So, you know, I'm not going to do anything with it, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it out of like a courtesy. So he winds up taking the CD, which is just an instrumental and takes it with him, winds up going to the airport where he arrives an hour early and then finds out that his flight is 90 minutes delayed on top of that. So he winds up popping a CD in his CD player for kids that don't know that may be listening to this before the ability to have thousands of songs at your fingertips ready to be streamed on your phones. Older folks such as myself used to have these portable CD players with things called CDs (laughs) that were kind of like these flat, shiny, frisbee disc looking things that contained music. And one CD would be one album or a single if that's all you had on it or a collection of songs, etc. So he pops in the CD, you know, he's at the airport, has time to kill, starts listening to it and instantly falls in love with it. And he goes on to say that, you know, he pulled out a pen and paper right then and there after, you know, listening to the beat over and over again a couple of times. And Summertime was the first and only song that he ever wrote where the first draft that he wrote down was the exact final version with the zero changes that we hear today and that everything flowed naturally. It was like a clear stream of consciousness. And as a writer, I love that. I love hearing that because I, it's like chasing the dragon for us, for writers, right? The times that we fall into like a flow state and we get into that clear stream of consciousness that will highlight, like that's what we live for from a creative perspective, right? And to find out that my favorite song from The Fresh Prince came about so serendipitously and at one of these moments of one of these free writing moments of a clear stream of consciousness is just like elevates it that much more. I thought that was a pretty dope story. Then he goes on to speak about then learning about a term called psychography or automatic writing, which is, you know, similar to free writing. Like I was just mentioning, I like this lesson that James Avery dropped on him, which was that talent comes from God and you're born with it. But skill comes from sweat, practice, and commitment. We'll quote Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. 
which is the book that I've been re- meaning to read that that's one of those books that always comes up at least within the orbit of the folks that I listen to and am influenced by. But he quotes him stating that there are only two types of human problems. One is knowing what you want, but not knowing how to get it. And two is not knowing what you want. I definitely like this line. There's a bunch of lines from here that I'm definitely going to be free writing off of. And this one is definitely one of them. He says, clarity of mission is a powerful cornerstone of success. Clarity of mission. This next one definitely resonated and made complete sense, which is when you know what you want, it also clarifies what you don't want. And even painful decisions become easy. Achieving goals requires strict organization and unwavering discipline. Ain't that the truth? Ruth. This I thought was really cool. He goes, um, that the first time he and Martin Lawrence ever spoke, for those of you that don't know, you know, Martin Lawrence and Will Smith went on to make the Bad Boys uh, franchise. Those uh, three, maybe four movies, I want to say, which were definitely big hits. Will mentioned that the first time that they ever spoke was uh, Martin called him or had somebody call him and put him on the phone. I think like one of them knew the other's sister or something like that. And Will took the phone and he and the first thing he said was Marty Mar. And Martin responded, Big Willie. They started cracking up laughing. And then, you know, the rest is pretty much history. But uh, he said that to this day, that's exactly how they greet each other on the phone each and every time that they call each other. I thought that was pretty cool. This is a cool story. He said that he met Sylvester Stallone. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis when they were the biggest movie stars in the world and they were opening up a planet Hollywood and Will was invited to one of these uh, openings. It's like star studded openings and he saw them three talking and he went up to them and said, guys, listen, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you know, I'm Will Smith, et cetera, et cetera. I want to do what you guys are doing. I want to become the biggest movie star in the world. What advice would you guys give me? And they kind of like laughed a little bit, but then they saw that he was serious. And Arnold turned to him and told him that he couldn't be the biggest movie star in the world just by selling selling out movies in the U.S. That he had to, to be the biggest movie star, he had to be selling all around the world. That to do so, he would have to travel and represent himself like a politician as if he was running for the role of or the position of biggest movie star in the world. And at that time, he said that he noticed that the only other actor doing stuff the way that he was starting to do it in terms of like promotion and, you know, going all around the world and doing every single, you know, morning show, afternoon show and, you know, pop ups, etc. That he could do to promote like an upcoming movie was Tom Cruise. And he vowed to work as hard as Tom Cruise on promotion or even harder. And he said when he when he first started like doing movies and he, you know, he was still filming the Fresh Prince. What he would do was film the Fresh Prince Monday through Friday, then fly to Europe Friday evening to start doing press on Saturday and Sunday and then fly back Sunday night and do it all over again. He mentioned Joseph Campbell on how he laid out 17 steps to make up the hero's journey, a.k.a. the monolith. He also mentioned Christopher Vogler. In his interpretation of the hero's journey, which is the writer's journey, he broke those down into 12, which I didn't know about. I know about Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey and like that, you know, universal arc used in pretty much every movie ever. But I was not familiar with Christopher Vogler. I definitely plan on looking that up. What else do I have here? Not too many more folks. Uh, Great stories illuminate truth. Very true. I like this moment of like self-reflection that that he had and like speaking to a story about like his family and stuff like that. He said that today I know a lot of the answers to these questions, but in the confusion of yesterday, I created a lot of unnecessary messes. Now this next piece resonated with me because it reminded me of a free writing post of mine that I may or may not have shared on the podcast. I'm not too sure, but It's definitely on my website, and I'm almost positive it's in my book, Make Way For You. And it has to do with doing even mundane tasks better each time that you do them and doing so purposefully. So Will had a trainer when he was filming the movie Ali 
uh, the trainer's name is Daryl, and he told him this. Dreams are built on discipline. Discipline is built on habits. Habits are built on training. Training takes place in every single second of everything you do in life. How you wash the dishes, how you drive a car, how you present a report at school or at work. You either do your best all the time or you don't. Some powerful words there from Mr. Daryl. This next one is something that I definitely internalized and made me reflect and think about how I move, how I live life, because I do something similar. And he said that my way of problem solving was to prioritize. I'll make a list and focus on the most pressing things on the list and work on those. What I missed was that everybody's list was different. And if I recall correctly, I think he came to that realization when going to like couples therapy or something like that with Jada, the therapist asked them to write their top five like priorities in like in life. And his list was completely different from Jada's. And that moment gave him that moment of clarity. And it's definitely do. We, we often, I know I definitely do like project my own thoughts and beliefs and how I think things should go onto others without always factoring in that one, that's not the only way just because you think that's the best way. It's definitely not the only way. And two, whoever you're projecting that on might one already have that shit worked out in a different way or two, just have a different approach to it altogether. And one thing that he reflected on telling Willow, his daughter was, I hope that you're intelligent and that your mind is trained to solve the problems of your life. And this next one definitely resonated with me. You know, having kids, my kids are, are very young still, three and one. But it's something that even at this young age, I already can tell and see. And I can just imagine as they get older that it's going to be like that much more. But this, uh, this point definitely rings true, which is an inherent parenting problem is that there's no one size fits all. They all need different things. And by they, meaning your children. This next one definitely rang true both as a son and now as a father of boys, which is a critical point of a boy becoming a man is the point of individuation from his father. The point where he realizes his father is not Superman. He's a flawed human. Will described his ayahuasca experience, which are stories that I, that I always enjoy hearing. And it's crazy how everyone Almost everyone that I've ever heard describe an ayahuasca experience describes it as the most impactful, life-changing experience of their lives. And it's interesting for to listen to each of them describe and break down like the nuance within that framework when it comes to their, you know, specific experience. He mentioned the Tibetan book of living and dying, which lays out some important tenets of a loved one that is transitioning or that has passed away kind of jotted that down as a to read one day you know it's like a one of those break open glass in case of emergency kind of books i plan to read one day and will does a breakdown of uh filmmaking and i kind of uh internalized it as just like stories in general and writing and it's an important point where he states that a central tenant of filmmaking is to know your ending and the reason is and by know your ending, meaning, you know, while you're crafting your story, know where it is that you want to end up, which obviously there's, you know, no one right way to write a story. And there's different schools of thoughts on it. I've written stories both ways where literally not knowing where it's going to end to knowing exactly where it's going to end. And obviously other writers have as well. But I definitely take this point, which is that when you understand the philosophical and moral and psychological weight of your conclusion, you can better craft everything that leads up to it. And there's definitely something to that. And the last point that I jotted down here was Will speaking about, you know, family and pain and going through things. And he says, um, it's easy to love someone when they do what you want them to do. Exactly how you want them to do it. But how do you treat them when they step out of that picture? How do you treat them when they hurt you? Those are the times that determine if you actually love someone. And with that, folks, I will wrap up my recap and review 
of Will by Will Smith. Once again, and to quote my man Jeffrey, at the risk of sounding redundant, it is my favorite book of 2021, and I highly recommend it. Will by Will Smith and Mark Manson. Check it out. Today's free writing post is titled, Is Love Red or Blue? And it features none other than who? Will Smith. And this is a piece that I wrote based on a quote of Will's from the Rap Radar podcast episode number 39. And I link to it directly in the episode notes at spuntoday.com forward slash free writing forward slash is love red or blue. And I posted it on my website on October 6th, 2020. But here's the post. Starting with the quote, people think love is red. It's not. It's blue. It's like water. It's not like fire. End quote. And then I wrote, Will mentioned this as something Jada told him that resonated with him. And it stood out to me. Red and fire symbolize heat, a burning desire. In relation to love, it's an unquenchable need to be with your better half, a devotion and kinship to your family and closest friends. Love, in my perspective, is all those things, but it goes beyond. It incorporates more. Blue and water symbolize peace, tranquility, soothing, freshness, the ability to quench the thirst for love by realizing that it's something fluid. It goes everywhere and anywhere. True love, like water, sticks around through the ups and downs. It carries and harbors the fire and devotion. It facilitates the routes that they, the fire and devotion, navigate through. And I wrote that on Monday, June 17th, 2019 at 4.26 p.m. And if you guys actually go to the post that I referenced before, which again, I'll link to in the episode notes, within that post, that page, that web page that I created, you have the free writing piece, obviously, and also the embedded YouTube video of the entire interview. And I definitely recommend checking that out. But let's see, let's uh, break this down. Let's dissect it a little bit. So as usual, when reflecting on my own writing, I there are things that I like, things that I don't like. I don't like how I ended it. I think it's kind of confusing. Where I wrote, um, it carries and harbors the fire and devotion. It carries and facilitates the routes that fire and devotion navigate through. I don't get that. I don't get how, what I was thinking there. How would wa- water, even analogously, you know, even like figuratively, how would water carry and harbor fire and devotion? And how would it facilitate the routes that the fire and devotion navigate through? Seems like a stretch. I'm not sure where I was going with that there. So I'm not a fan as of right now. Um, But I did like how, because you, you do or I do think of love as red, like the color red, red hearts, Valentine's Day, like the color red is just predominant within that context. So I liked the idea of thinking of it as blue rather than red and kind of just like shifting your mentality a bit. So I like that part of where I wrote love in my perspective is all of those things that represent, you know, the red, but it also goes beyond. It's more than that. It incorporates more. And where I wrote blue and water symbolize peace, tranquility, soothing, freshness. Those are all things that it symbolizes to me. Maybe to you, it's something else. But I like that those couple of sentences there in the middle and like the thought process behind them. How cool is Jada, though, to come up with some shit like that? I like the way she thinks, minus the whole entanglements thing. But um, as she just came out the blue with, people think love is red. And it's like, yeah, oh shit, people do think love is red. I never even thought of thinking about that, but it's true. And then having the squabbles to say, but it's not, it's blue. It's like water. It's not like fire. Which gets you in the mind state of, you know, water, sustaining life, being essential to living. And likening that to love. It's a cool little thought experiment. She made us go on there. So shout out to Jada for mentioning that to Will. Shout out to Will for mentioning it and sharing it with us via the Rap Radar podcast. And that, folks, is the free writing post for this episode. Again, titled, Is Love Red or Blue? Which will be linked to in the episode notes for you guys to check out. 
And with that said, episode 201 is officially in the books. Thank you all very much for taking the time to listen. I really, really appreciate it. Hope you guys got something from this episode that you felt was worthwhile, worth spending your time with me. I definitely appreciate each of you that do take the time to listen to these episodes. Thank you very much. And before I bid the adieu, here are a few different ways you can help support the Sponsor Day podcast, which in turn allow me to free up time to write more and create more podcast episodes and content. If you take the time to support, I'd be much obliged, as my man Bubbles would say. Episode 201. Peace. What's up, folks? Tony here. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I enjoy producing it for you. Here are a few quick ways you can help support this show. You can support the Spun Today podcast by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. There you'll find my merch section where you can cop the iconic podcasts versus anybody t-shirt in a wide variety of different colors and all different sizes. Also, if you're into cycling, you can cop the super soft, comfortable, minimalist design Spun Today Bike Club t-shirt. Also available in a bunch of different colors and all different sizes. There are a few other designs of different types of t-shirts. Definitely go there and check it out. SpunToday.com forward slash support. It's the merch section where you can also get a dope coffee mug. I have coffee mugs with the brand new redesigned Spun Today logo on one side and the tagline that I end every show with on the other which is start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. The mug is available in both black and white because we don't discriminate here at the Spun Today podcast. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash support and check out the merch section. You can support the Spun Today podcast by checking out my writing. You can go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and check out some of my free association writing, which is intended to be some cathartic free writing, but oftentimes doubles down as motivation for myself and others. At spuntoday.com forward slash short stories, you can read a bunch of the different short stories that I've written and actually listen to the audiobook versions of those short stories there as well. Another way you can help support my writing is by going to spuntoday.com forward slash books and checking out what I have in store for sale. Digital copies are available in all formats, whether it be Kindle, iBooks, or a different type of e-reader. You can also purchase paperback copies if that's your preferred reading method. Currently available, I have my nonfiction, Make Way For You, which is a collection of freely written thoughts that were curated and put together as tips for getting out of your own way. Also available is my debut time travel novel titled Fractal. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash books to show your support. Support the Spun Today podcast by following me on social at Spun Today on Twitter, at Spun Today on Instagram. Please also check out and like my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Spun Today, and subscribe to my YouTube page as well. On my YouTube page, not only will you get these full length episodes, but you'll also get to check out some chopped up clips and bonus content. To get to my YouTube page, just search Spun Today on YouTube or click on any of the YouTube icons on the footer of my website. Also, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever it is that you're listening. It really does help. The Spun Today newsletter is available to each and every one of my listeners absolutely for free. All you have to do is go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and drop in your email address. What I'm going to do is brighten up everybody's least favorite day of the week by delivering five curated things within my weekly newsletter every Monday at noon. You're going to receive a photo of the week, a recommended podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts from an array of varied interests. I cherry pick the very best ones so that you can check them out. I also share a video of the week, which can be anything from a tasty recipe to a dope rap battle to an enlightening TED talk. I also share a quote of the week. And finally, for my fellow wordsmiths out there, a word of the week so that you can step up your vocab. Again, this curated list is yours absolutely free by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and dropping in your email address and you can unsubscribe at any time. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address and you'll get the very next one. 
If you want to help support the Sponsor Day podcast financially, you can do so by going to sponsorday.com forward slash support. Here you'll find a few different ways that you can do so. You can shop on Amazon, but first go to my website, sponsorday.com forward slash support. Click on the Amazon banner, which will take you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It will not cost you anything extra, but I will get credit for driving traffic to their website. Another cool way that you can help support this show is through Patreon, where you can set up reoccurring donations to my podcast, whether it be $1 per show, $2 per show, etc. And depending on how much you choose to pledge, you will receive some Patreon perks in return. Things like free writing pieces, free bookmarks, free digital copies of my books, etc. Again, my Patreon link can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. You can also set up similar reoccurring payments via my Ko-fi page. And if you want to send a one-time happiness bomb donation, if you will, you can do so via my PayPal link. Again, all of which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. If you're a fellow creative, a cool way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast and actually be part of the podcast is by filling out my five-question questionnaire located at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. Here you'll find five open questions related to your craft, your art, what inspires you to create, what type of unrelated hobbies you're into, and what motivates you to get your work done. You can choose to remain anonymous or plug your website and your work. And once you submit your questionnaire, I read your responses on a future episode of the Spun Today podcast. It's completely free at no cost to you. And what I like to say about it is that if your responses could potentially spark inspiration in someone else, why not share that? spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. And as always, folks, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. I love you, Aiden. I love you, Daddy.